0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we get into a conversation that I might just give a little warning for parents as we get started because there may be some things that we'll talk about in this coming hour that it could be if you've got Little ones around might be a good idea to protect those little ears. Uh, Who knows where this conversation could go? Could be a controversial one as we talk about issues of sexual harassment and the issue of consent. Well, the headline stories have been focused not only on Parliament House in Canberra, and you'll be aware of the alleged rape of Liberal staffer Brittany Higgins, or the historic rape allegation against a senior Cabinet minister, later revealed to be Christian Porter, who vehemently denies the claim. But stories have emerged from our own schoolyards. Gender issues are not new, and we might argue that scandal and crisis creates opportunity for a national education, a national debate around issues of behaviour between the sexes. Thousands of people, mostly women, have also shared their stories about the assaults that they have experienced. And now there is a push for schools to play a more active role in teaching young people about the issue of consent. So as parents, all of a sudden, we are intensely interested in the debate. What will schools teach our children? Well, the discussion today is about the issue of consent and Christian insight into the developing issues for both men and women and what it may mean for our children. Our special guest through this coming hour, Wendy Francis, is the Australian Christian Lobby State Director for the State of Queensland and Wendy heads the Centre for Human Dignity. Wendy Francis, I might say, a very special welcome along to 2020.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Neil. Uh,
0: Wendy, there's so big and so diverse things that we could talk about today. We have to start uh, with the fact that consent has become a problem. Because the issues around sexual harassment, sexual violence, even rape, have become a problem. These things have come to light. How do you see the size and the extent of the problem we're going to talk about today?
1: Well, it's huge. Um, can I just start by saying, imagine if there was any other affliction, that, um, that a scourge almost, that afflicted a society, our society, which strikes down close to a quarter of its daughters and more than 10% of its sons. So we're thinking of something that strikes down this number of our children. Uh, It's huge. And so there's no wonder that this um, young woman, Chanel Contos, has started this e-petition. That's one of the big issues around this. And, And she's calling on this consent education to be brought into all the schools. And, you know, when we look at the studies, we're looking at one in six women were physically or sexually abused before the age of 15, and that rate is one in nine for men. So we're talking... You know, if you look at some of the uh, the statistics, we're looking at a child being abused in Australia every nine minutes. A child abuse report is made in Australia every two minutes, and indigenous children are actually five times more likely to be the victim.
0: And if there is something that all of those major controversies around uh, clerical abuse, which have really gotten so much of the headlines over this past decade, if there's something that's been taught to us, it's that the effects of sexual abuse... ...can last a lifetime. Absolutely. Uh, People are challenged and they will uh, go through all sorts of uh, issues. uh, Very difficult to even maintain a a sustaining relationship when you've been abused as a child. So these sorts of things, so important, Wendy.
1: So important because the violation of sexual assault, it doesn't just target the physical self. We know that. It also targets the emotional and also who we are, our socially sort of defined self. It, It attacks the inner emotional life. So we're talking about issues of of dignity, of honour, of confidence, of esteem, and and certainly um, the ongoing understanding of their own sexuality. But it really violates a child's psychological and emotional um, and social development. And often, and almost, I say almost the majority of times, there is not necessarily a physical injury as such, but we're talking huge, huge psychological and social injuries.
0: Uh, Wendy, In an age gone by, and it's very easy to point to ages gone by and see it in sort of rose-coloured glasses, but Mm. there is a time uh, that many of our listeners even will be able to identify where dating was a different uh, kettle of fish, uh, you know, perhaps 50 years ago than what dating is today. And there is a certain sense in which under a more Christianised Australian society, and we might be going back into the middle of the 20th century here, But there was a certain accepted personal morality and there were some acceptable values around issues of uh, sexual consent, uh, around what happens on those dates that you go on. This is changing now. We don't have anything like that to hold on to. And now, of course, if you don't, uh, there's the push for new standards and new laws around these things. And, of course, this creates an issue as to who's making the laws. What are your thoughts about the change that's, that's come about? And now someone wants to make laws about consent.
1: Yeah, so we can't. It's, it's so true what you're saying. We cannot actually even teach about sexual consent without teaching about, for instance, the dangers of pornography. Because our children now, most children, well, they're saying 11 is the, is the average age of being confronted with quite, um, quite extreme pornography. And so pornography is seen by almost all young people um, and they, they misrepresent, obviously, what sex is all about. So porn separates sex from intimacy. It reinforces a, a gender imbalance. It reinforces male entitlement, so exactly the sort of thing that we're actually talking about in consent. This is actually a a reinforcement and yet it's a major education on sex and so um, sex almost has become a rite of passage for young people uh, which is just so tragic when we think of... The, the true meaning and what God created sex for and so when you're talking about first dates we're talking about dates where the children themselves have already seen incredibly um, devastatingly destructive sexual practices and so they're going to the first date with expectations that that is what the other person is is almost expecting.
0: Now this is not a conversation today that centers on pornography but this is a conversation where we're talking about the consequences of because I've been hearing it stated uh, on a number of different occasions the idea that pornography has become the way our children receive their sex education and that's got to be the disturbing factor in this because the expectations that uh, young people will have around the sexual relationships that that they will have or the relationship that they might aspire to, perhaps the Christian ideal of a lifelong marriage uh, between uh, a man and a woman, uh, these sorts of things are, are not in their thoughts because pornography has become the sex education tool of this generation.
1: It has. And when we talk about consent, what we're talking about is a person's decision that's actually given voluntarily to agree to sexual activity that's made with their knowledge and understanding of the risks and the physical, emotional, social um, you know, risks that are engaged in sexual activity. But how do they actually know that? And when we're talking about the age of consent being 16 and we're talking about children having seen pornography from the age of 11 then how are they actually going to understand what consent actually means? And can a child adequately understand that? Can a child truly have that knowledge and understanding and be able to give consent? These are all really important questions for us to ask. Um, but, But I think we've got to start exactly where you started, that Houston, we have a problem. I mean, we really have a big problem.
0: We have a problem. Uh, Let's continue just talking about some foundations as we get this conversation underway. And I'm going to invite listeners to join into our conversation too. You might have your own insight, your own input to have. Uh, We'll open our talkback lines very shortly. Uh, this idea of the age of consent. Now, this is interesting because if we're talking about this nationally, the laws from state to state change and there is an age of consent. In other words, uh, if you are below that age of consent, you're considered to be a child and not at a level where you can adequately take some level of responsibility for the sorts of sexual decisions that you might be forced into or coerced into. Uh, Let's talk about age of consent for a moment. What's your understanding, Wendy, so far as how the states go with this age?
1: So my understanding is that in Australia, the age of consent is 16 for all states and territories except, as you say, Tasmania and South Australia, where it's actually 17
0: Okay so we're talking 16 across most of the states 17 in South Australia and Is there a proposal in what you've heard about what these sorts of new consent laws might contain? Is there anything in there about the age that that might be either altered or reinforced? Any any thoughts there?
1: There has always been a push to lower the age of consent, which I would vehemently oppose. Uh, But I haven't seen that in any of the teaching around consent. But the teaching of consent is, is now being proposed from 12 years of age. So we're talking about it from um, grade 7. Uh, so we're talking 12 years of age. So we're talking... We, my own grandchildren have sat through lessons where they've had to use uh, different methods of putting on a condom. This, we are t- teaching children how to have sex safely. And so, of course, we're actually teaching them about how to say yes. And I would argue that the teaching of consent is a problem because we're teaching them how to say yes, whereas I want to teach them how to say
0: no. That's very powerful. And listeners might have their own thoughts on that. And this idea of what consent might mean when everything in our society is hyper this changes in people's minds what they might think about consent. And, of course, we're mostly talking about consent around the idea of a full sexual experience. However, consent starts, doesn't it, right at the beginning. It starts at that moment when you say, yes, we'll go out on a date together because, in some sense, on that very first date... You've got to be able to establish some level of personal boundaries, and if there are no personal boundaries, you're in real trouble right from the start, aren't you?
1: And this is why you know church youth groups are just such a great thing to have, and I love it when you see a really good church youth group happening, no matter whether it's a small group or a large group. But then you've got the opportunity to meet people of the opposite sex in a group situation and not just be one-on-one. And so you know, I, I think that um, there's there's an age where children should just be children because uh, of course consent is not the only consideration and and I don't think I don't think it's a standalone principle I think there's a, a lot more
0: in it and, you know, isn't it wonderful, and let's uh, let's sing the praises of church youth groups, yeah. because in most churches, abstinence is the expectation, even when there are young people who may be dating. Now, of course, all that gets messy because young people have their own will and their own desires and those sorts of battles that go on within. But uh, I do like the idea of, you know, in this church youth group, uh, our policy is abstinence until you're 35 years old. Uh, you know, <laughs> those sorts of things, they go down well. Everyone has a good would laugh about that sort of thing, but you know, it's a a gentle and it's a humorous way of saying this is what the expectation is. But that expectation doesn't finish outside the youth group. That extends also into our adult years, doesn't it?
1: It does. And we've got to realise that um, children are going to be sexually curious and they want to do what they think their friends are doing. So if their friends around them in the youth group are hearing the same messages about abstinence, that will be a, a real encouragement to them, but you're right that um, the idea of going into our whole um, our adult life, I, I still think you know there are there are huge issues of consent, and there are huge issues of of you know who who is it that we hug freely, who is it that we you know it's 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 non going conversation, but for for young people they are actually marinating in a sexually deviant environment, so for them to be For them to be able to find their friends in a a youth group that is teaching abstinence is just so worthwhile.
0: It's not popular for people who are outside the church to think about abstinence because one of the things that people love to explore is their own personal sexual freedom. And one of the accusations that's pointed to the church is that somehow or other you want to take my personal freedom away. Well, here we have, Wendy Francis, the illustration of what happens if you ignore the, uh, the way that uh, the church might have a constraint around those ways that you conduct a relationship and when i say church i'm talking about a biblical foundation here that your body is the temple of the holy spirit now let's uh, be christian here for a moment uh, god is pretty specific uh, in various passages in the bible one of those is around uh, issues of sexuality and uh, that the body is the temple of the holy spirit uh, let me just for uh, for listeners uh, talk about uh, you know the bible uh, you might, I think it's in First Corinthians, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. There's something very important in that, that somehow or other, if it's not reinforced in the youth group at a young age, then if it's, if it's not uh, enforced there, if it's not taught there, uh, young people are on on a wrong footing.
1: Absolutely. Because the teaching that, that we've got to give our young people is, is it, this is about character. It's about teaching personal integrity. It's about teaching relational faithfulness within what God has put down for our lives. It's not about telling children, just don't do it. It's actually explaining what God's plan for them is and showing them how it's the best way to live. And, and, and as adults, we have to demonstrate that in our own lives.
0: Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. And wonderful to have Wendy Francis in the studio with us today as we discuss a really important issue. And this is issues around the subject of consent being talked about widely and uh, even the possibility of consent being taught in schools and who will teach what. We are taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 Wendy, let's take a call. Adam is in Warhope in New South Wales. Hello, Adam. Welcome along.
2: Oh, good morning, uh, Neil and Wendy. Um, Yes, one of the things that was brought to my attention, I don't know if it made national news a couple of months ago, but one of the um, high schools, all-girls high schools in Sydney, the principal was absolutely um, absolutely uh, had a go at for telling what uh, all the girls in the school should wear to the uh, swimming carnival because uh, there's male teachers um, in the school and and basically all the girls in the school really you know there's a huge uproar on social media because they um, because the the, the the female principal um, basically outlined you know the code of dress for for the day um, and not to be in line with what the previous year was and uh, just showing the toxic- toxicity of, of, you know, schools these days and uh, children are, are allowed to sort of do whatever they want and as soon as someone with authority uh, points along the lines of what they should do to not you know, not have the wrong sort of attention brought to them, um, a whole different other cultures come in to say that, that that's excusing when you say that, that you're excusing that uh, rape and all these other things are okay. Um Adam,
0: you're demonstrating just how sophisticated and complicated and controversial uh, talking about these issues are. Wendy, what are your thoughts for Adam? So
1: I agree with Adam that the principal had every right to tell the girls what they should wear, and I think we should be. I, I know there are many churches, for instance, who have a dress code of such for worship leaders up the front because they are aware that they don't want um, the gaze to be on on the women. But the other thing that I think uh, is potentially in this is that uh, by saying you know we have male teachers, we are reinforcing a perception that. Men are bad, men are predators. We've got to be careful of men. So, I, I that was for me an unfortunate turn in the conversation. For me, yes, tell the girls what they should wear because that's the right thing to do. And we, you know, we need to be. I mean, none of us would be walking through shopping centers now not aghast at some of the things that the girls are wearing. But the fact that it's because men are the te- you know, we have male teachers, I just think we've got to be careful not to paint men. As the predators.
0: Very difficult to do, isn't it? Because mm. as soon as someone tells a girl to dress modestly, the assumption or the inference is mm. that there are male predators. And, 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 and the unfortunate thing there, though, Wendy, I think is that all males are then tarred with the same brush rather than some males are tarred with that brush.
1: And I think we've entered really dangerous territory because I think what we have been doing, and particularly white males... Um, our opinion of all males is tainted by the absolute disgusting criminal behaviour of some males, uh, and and whilst it is true that the majority of sexual predators are male, and and I, it's also absolutely true that most women have a personal story of some form of sexual harassment occurring in their lives. It's absolutely true, but every male is not a predator, and and so you know I, I think you know it's probably a good time to talk about that school in. In, that had the assembly, Neil. Do you remember that story? Uh,
0: yes, I'll thank Adam for uh, his contribution. Yeah. Thank you so much, Appreciate Adam. It, Adam. Uh, talk back Talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Yes, a couple of weeks ago now, wasn't it? A mm. school assembly in Victoria, and I think it is the town of Warrnambool, and good morning to Warrnambool listeners. Uh, boys as age, ages young as 12 were instructed to stand up and apologise yeah. to the girls seated around them for crimes of sexual harassment, violence and rape. What were your What was your take on that, Wendy?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to get at, I think, with Adam in that, you know, it's just as a grandmother of boys and a mother of a son, I was really devastated for them because, you know, many of the mums were going home and reporting that their boys had been left feeling guilty and embarrassed and even confused and upset. 12-year-old boys not necessarily even sure of what they've been accused of doing. And so, you know, this uh, this is really diabolical, I think, when we turn it to that, to that extent and I certainly understand the confusion of the boys and I can't help but wonder how we have come to this when we're when every male is to be suspected and that, that is a dangerous place to be
0: Taking calls 1-800-316-316 Let's hear from Jane in Sydney Hello Jane, welcome along
3: Hi um, This is an unusual story but um, I grew up in a house where my parents sexually abused me and when I used to go to the youth group I used to feel very confused as to what was okay and what was not okay and also my parents espoused being Christians yet they did those things to me growing up and um, What I feel is um, you've got to get people from different um, backgrounds coming to youth group, and you need to set up some form of education for them um, to say this is okay and this is not okay um, because sometimes they just don't know.
1: I agree so much Jane and my heart breaks for you and I'm so so sorry that you had um, that childhood uh, and it's diabolical and it's so wrong and I pray that God will be able to heal your heart um, but the problem also for youth leaders is that you know many there are a lot of kids who are not experiencing what you've experienced and then there are always some who are and so they need to somehow try and really get to know these children so that they can know w- which ones need help but you know, I have um, close family who are educators, and they say that you know they can tell when a child uh, is is somehow hiding some secret. Um, how to get that secret out is sometimes very complicated. But God God's heart must break because I know that my mother's heart just breaks to hear your story.
0: Jane, thank you so much for having the courage to call in. 1-800-316-316. If you want to join in our conversation, we are talking around this issue of consent. If we're talking a Christian position on this, Wendy Francis, abstinence, it cannot be an old-fashioned term any longer. Somehow or other, it comes back into vogue when you're talking about the way that you will be protected uh, in your life as you get things underway dating courting eventually into marriage uh, abstinence an important word
1: absolutely and i would say to and you know obviously for christians abstinence is to totally understood as god's way but if if educators if secular if secular educators are serious uh, about the well-being and the safety of of the young people that are under their care and if they're serious about stopping sexual assault it is not going to be gained by a legal, politically correct, consent-based approach. We we need to start teaching that sex is not not merely a form of entertainment or fun or, or what's expected on a good night out. It is profound in its significance and effect on our lives. And so um, being able to teach children to wait, surely, surely is what... Um, all educators should actually be pursuing
0: some of our listeners Wendy and it's almost news time but some of our listeners will be thinking how do I get my teenager into a youth group like that Uh, we don't go to church or we don't force our children to go along to church but this is the place where they are more likely to be exposed to some issues here around abstinence around a biblical foundation where they'll actually have a, a strong rock on which they'll be able to build their lives and it's one of those things that somehow or other you've got to work hard to get your teenagers involved in that youth group.
1: Absolutely and the other thing that they'll find is that they'll find um, leaders, strong male leaders who are going to exhibit uh, exactly what we want in terms of sexual purity. But I would say find a local youth group in a church. I know that, you know, even down at Bow Desert, at Bow Desert Baptist, there's this, there's a great youth group and and it's not actually church kids necessarily primarily that are going. It's kids from the community who are having just a great night out, but they're in a safe context and they also hear about God's
0: way. Wendy, let's talk understanding sex with a design by God, because a lot of people who want to turn their back and resist the idea of God being there and that he would have had anything to do with sex in the first place, uh, in some sense, they're the ones who are grappling to find their way here. What are your thoughts about understanding sex according to a divine design?
1: So sex is a beautiful gift um, by God, designed by him, designed by God for marriage exclusively. One man, one woman committed to each other for life. And unfortunately, I think as soon as I say that, some people are saying, yeah, well, Kids are going to do it anyway. Well, don't let's not assume that. Let's not assume that. Let's actually teach them the truth. Let's teach them not how to have sex safely, but let's teach them what God says. Sex is Beautiful, Designed by God for Marriage Exclusively, One Man, One Woman for Life.
0: If you're a parent and you've decided to abdicate your position of being the one responsible to teach this, uh, you might be thinking, uh, well, I'm sure they'll get it right at school. What are your thoughts there?
1: No, they're not going to get it right at school because they are assuming at school that children will do it. So they're they're teaching them how to have sex safely. And that is not what we should be teaching our children. Any good educator would be absolutely convinced that the best outcome for children would be to wait, to wait until they have sex. But that is not what's being taught at school
0: what about what parents might say if they are engaging in that conversation with their children and coming into those teenage years? Uh, what sort of thoughts do you have about how the parent might engage there and what sort of you know protective behaviours they might highlight?
1: I think they've got to start early and they've got to start simple, uh, and they need to be teaching protective behaviours from very, very young, like from right from childhood. It is important to teach our children that it is their body, and they can say no uh, so you know in one way, some people would call that consent. I don't because i still I have an issue with the word consent because consent means to say yes and how and what we're assuming that we're teaching is how to say yes safely. I don't believe that we can teach children how to how to say yes safely, and I think that. There's so much more to consent. It's not the only consideration. It's not a standalone principle. We can't just teach consent because it can be really dangerous. And I and I think that consent actually fosters a very dangerous attitude and understanding. For instance, if if, if somebody wants to, if a, if a guy, let's say if, if Johnny wants to perform a sexual act on, on Susie and Susie consents, that act can still be harmful for both of them. So it, it can still be actually really harmful, even if Susie consents to what, what Johnny's wanting to do. Nobody deserves to be mistreated. People have dignity and we deserve love. We've got to actually reconnect the, the act of sex to, um, to love because we, what we've done is really completely divorce that. Good men protect women. We've got to help our children to understand that. Good men do not exploit women. Um I mean Jesus was very clear about exploitation he was very clear it was on the in his sermon on the mount he he talked about he he equated lusting after a woman with your eyes with adultery uh, this is one of the ten Commandments like this one of the, it shows what who God is this the ten Commandments and so when we're when we're saying well you know I'm just looking at pornography and and who knows where that's going to go? Well, no, we're actually really treading in dangerous waters. So we've got to start young. We've got to listen to our children. Communication is everything with our children. We've got to encourage them to talk to us about absolutely everything. We want to know what's going on. We want to read their books. We want to watch their games. We want to watch their TV shows so that we can interact and start talking from very young. But yeah, it does have to be. It have to be start early and start simple. Uh, but yeah, we do, we need to be teaching our children from
0: very young, and we might even say, "Isn't it wonderful that such a understanding from the scriptures, as you say, Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, saying it's not just your actions that make the difference; it's what's going on in the heart, it's what's going on in the mind that actually will be forming those things that will contribute to your actions to come." And uh, this, and I think uh, you know, I think rightly so, uh, this applies significantly here to men and uh, there's some challenging things that every man needs to address in his own life in his own heart. 1 eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 to join in our conversation today we're talking about consent let's take a call from Elizabeth in Adelaide South Australia. Hello Elizabeth welcome along.
4: Yeah hi um, good morning um, I think um, what you're talking about is really uh, it's a really good topic it's really something that it does need to be addressed because it causes such a lot of sadness. And my feeling towards this is what the lady just said, it's good men, they protect, mm. they don't neglect and they don't, um, I don't know, I have no words for for what is happening, describing what is happening in the world uh, today. It's so, so sad and personally, I feel that more or less 90% of adults, they've missed their calling in educating their children in all things life in, you know, the right way from the beginning. Um, I do realize that there's a lot of things, breakdowns of marriage and uh, people that don't have role models to look up to that causes these problems and those That's just two things, you know, Uh, but I do realize that all of these things start in a home with a mom, with a dad, uh, providing uh, that comfort and um, that understanding and that openness with a child so that in later life, a child knows um, I'm confident in myself even if I'm amongst uh, uh, um, my peers or my age group, I'm confident in myself because of what my mom and dad did with me when I was living in the house, that I can say no. Or that um, if it's something... Uh, where I feel uncomfortable in the situation, I can turn away and I can walk away. You know,
0: Elizabeth, um, you are making loads of good sense, and thank you so much for your um, call, Wendy. What are your thoughts for Elizabeth?
1: Yeah, Elizabeth, I totally agree. And you know, for for parents, I say to them, this is this is an Alamo time. We've really got to make a stand and fight for our children. Uh, and for me. We cannot abdicate our role to teachers on this. We need to be teaching these things in the home. Teachers will never be the equivalent of parents. And so we've got such a sacred responsibility to teach our children in these things.
0: Elizabeth, thank you so much for your call. Our talk back line open on 1-800-316-316. And uh, interestingly, when we talk about... The value of a Christian man here, because I can't help but think that sometimes Christian manhood is considered to be a little weaker than, uh, you know, the, the sort of uh, bronzed Aussie uh, womanizer. There's a certain sense here in which when we start to talk about consent, sexual assault, rape, uh, these sorts of things come to the fore when a Christian man and his value begin to rise to the surface, Wendy Francis. A Christian man who needs to be someone who makes a woman feel safe and respected instead of being on guard. Uh, What are your thoughts here for the idea that we have to rediscover something in Christian manhood uh, where it seems to have been lost?
1: We really do. And so for me, I'm speaking from a really blessed position because I had a father who you've just described. I've got a husband who you've just described. My son and my sons-in-law are those men. Um, so we we desperately need this example of, of what a true Christian man is. And, you know, some of them were strong physically. Not all of them are strong physically. Some of them um, are, you know, tall and some of them are shorter. But they are strong men. And when I look at men that I admire, and, and I think, you know, when we look at men who are, um, yeah, that is a good man, They are men who respect women and um, protect women. And I've been in a really blessed position, but I've talked to so many women and girls who are not um, as fortunate as I am.
0: Oftentimes, we'll encourage our daughters uh, to date or court and even marry a young man who has a maturing Christian faith. That doesn't mean that they're going to be, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul incarnate again, Uh, but there's a certain sense here that this idea of an unequal yoke, uh, the way that we might say, uh, I've raised a young Christian woman in my home, but now she should feel free to go and date any old guy. Uh, There's a certain sense in which, what we might appreciate and what we might hope for for our daughters and for our sons is that they might be equally yoked with someone who holds the same values. What are your thoughts here, Wendy?
1: Really important and particularly for our daughters we were very careful to advise them on who they should date if there was any form of coercion and I'm not talking necessarily even sexual coercion here but if there's coercion to do something that you don't really want to do um, then I think that that's immediately a warning a warning light. And I think um, girls have a responsibility in a relationship too. It's not just all on the men because women have so much to offer in a relationship. It's an equal partnership. Like a, a husband and a wife are equal in God's eyes, but we have different roles. But a woman has a lot, of, um, a lot of impact on how a man will treat her as well. And I think we've got to actually really demand respect in some cases. But if it's not forthcoming, did Jim girls.
0: Well, teenagers and coercion. Uh, and this is the interesting thing here, what you're talking about Wendy the idea that sometimes there's this big imbalance that happens, uh, whether it's an age imbalance, which is often the case uh, an older man, a younger woman, power imbalance uh, you know, he's got money and she doesn't uh, uh, strength imbalance, he's a lot stronger than than she is uh, probably uh, in in the normal sense of of a man being larger than a woman Uh, there's all sorts of ways that coercion can happen. And so if you don't have this strength of character coming from a man who respects a woman, you haven't got much hope, have you? No, you really
1: haven't. And when we see the disputes about consent that are happening, um, particularly in our current situation, they usually relate to what the consent was actually for. And then it's just a war of, well, he said, she said, and it gets to be an absolute mess. So it's just uh, it's it's very difficult when you're just talking about this this sort of logical concept of of consent. and teenage girls are, are too young to be responsible for having to give consent. It's too easily coerced. and And I would also add that often coercion is accompanied by too much alcohol. And when we've got alcohol in the mix of it as well, um then you know we've got a huge issue with with true consent. And we teach about abstinence from alcohol. We're very forthcoming in teaching about abstinence from alcohol. We should also be be teaching about abstinence from sexual intercourse.
0: And when you're talking alcohol in the mix here, uh, no surprise that in Victoria, lawyers reported as saying that application of consent laws might make it even more difficult to prove the crime of rape uh, when an issue arises, and usually as a result of the inclusion of alcohol, where there's an unconsciousness on behalf of a young woman, and, uh, and then he uh, takes those sorts of things as a sign of consent and uh, and all of a sudden you have a rape. And so the idea of consent laws doesn't sound to me as though they're going to make things any easier. It's going to make it more complicated to even assess these things, break these things down in a court of law as to how a decision might be made as to whether consent has been given.
1: That's right, and often these acts are done in privacy. And so, again, it comes down to a he said, she said and turns just really ugly very quickly. But uh, But, you know, just because... In the in the moment, and sometimes alcohol fueled, somebody might say yes to something. It still doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't mean that it's right. It can still be a very harmful act. And so I think you know this just just to teach consent is on its own is a, a quite a dangerous thing. And you know many children. We're talking offline before um, Neil. We're saying you know many children both from Christian and non-Christian homes, but particularly from non-Christian homes, they don't even understand what sex is for because, you know, we, we've said before online that God is the creator of sex, made it to be a beautiful thing. And so God is the creator of sex. He's the one who designed it. If children don't know that and if they don't know what sex is actually all about, how can they actually provide informed consent to something that they don't even know? And, and you know, in Victoria, where a lot of this is sort of, originating from at the moment, Victorian schools have removed Scripture teaching from their schools. So the the kids in the schools, secular schools down there, they don't even have the opportunity to hear it in RE or RI, whatever we call it now. You know, the Scripture is actually being removed. So we've got a dearth of, of understanding in our children of what sex is actually all about.
0: I can't help but reflect that our impression of what manhood is actually comes from our understanding of a biblical foundation. After all, don't we pray to our Father who art in heaven? There is a certain sense in which throughout the history of the world, and certainly this has been the history of Western civilization, that men have gotten their cues as to a definition of manhood because they've understood the Father heart of God. And of course, uh, you can't have unconditional love, unfailing grace, the power to restore the brokenhearted and the fallen unless you appreciate that this is coming from the heart of the Father. And so, men, we take our cues from who God is. Mm. And of course, uh, the perfect picture of who God is came in the image that we have in the incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so we have this image of manhood but but wendy so many of the states around australia are running as far as they can away from this biblical foundation of what manhood is the thing that's made western civilization strong and now we've decided to corrupt the image of what a man and a woman are and uh, we've decided to to have a synchronizing uh, or a syncretizing of uh, of how those sorts of things work and do away with these sorts of definitions we're actually headed for really drastic times if we don't appreciate that there is a uh, an, an, uh, certainly an image of manhood that needs to be uh, re-established.
1: It's just, this is a whole nother conversation. I, <laughs> I, I realise um, I've just gotten us deeper know, into some other just, things here. It's huge because in some places now, particularly in our universities, even the word father and the word mother are being um, rejected. So we, and we, since the same-sex marriage uh, vote... We have um, done away with the, the concept of fatherhood and motherhood being an integral part for a child's growing up. We all know that there are tragic, tragic circumstances where a child loses a father or a mother. And that has traditionally, historically been seen as a tragedy, but it's now actually almost celebrated. Fatherlessness and motherlessness is no longer something to be avoided. It is something that we are meant to even celebrate. So we we are talking very deeply here in deep terms because, and I could quote stat after stat of how many of the youths, particularly in prison or um, have a a, a teenage pregnancy, all of these things, the, the kids who get in trouble with the law, they're without fathers.
0: Yeah, and it deepens too when we appreciate that we'd like to think the sorts of things you and I are talking about are just commonplace discussed in our church and in the youth groups that our children are going to. But there's no guarantees there either, Wendy. I mean, there's only a certain amount of time. There's so many important discussions to have. Uh, Sometimes this one might not be uh, getting to the fore as much as we might think it should. And so there is a certain sense in which at home, when we have a biblical foundation... We recognise the Father' heart of God. It's going to be even more important to be able to research and establish these foundations for your own family, as uh, the expectation that we'll get those values from our local church. Any thoughts here? And that's quite controversial, I guess.
1: Ah, uh, but it shouldn't be, because in our churches we need to we need to talk about these controversial issues. Because on the weekend I've been with a, a convention of of adults uh, for, for Easter. And when I talk about some of the issues that are happening in our kids' schools, many adults are not aware. But if you talk to the kids, they're all very aware. So I think our, our church has got to um, not avoid these controversial issues. They've got to actually really speak deeply into our children's lives of biblical truths around this. It's in every way imaginable. It is in the best interest of children to wait to have sex until they're married, one man, one woman, every way imaginable. I mean, we haven't even touched on STIs. Like, we haven't even touched on on that, which is a a direct result of children having sex as children. Um, But so in every way imaginable, God's way is the best way. But we need to be actually speaking that to them and investing in them because, yes, the home is where they should learn this, but, but we've already just said how great fatherlessness is growing as an issue, and so our churches need to be providing good ro- role model fathers there for our children. Who,
0: Wendy, running out of time, the idea of having a, what might be a simple way forward, how do I get these sorts of thoughts and understandings into my family. And uh, there is, of course, uh, what we've been teaching our children now for uh, decades is that when you are protecting yourself from predatory behaviour, say of a pedophile, children have been uh, trained to see behaviours and to alert an adult and uh, to expose those things. I wonder how uh, the idea of teaching our children as they get into those tween age and teenage years, really important times, how you might extend some of those things that we've begun to inculcate into our children so that they might be aware of these things as they grow older. Any thoughts here?
1: I think it's got to be done really carefully. And for me, it's got to be starting from a truthful understanding of what sex is. So they need to really grasp what, what it is and what their why their parents are, are wanting them to abstain from sex until they're married. But we do right from the start also have to teach our children that they can say no and and they, we do need to teach them protective behaviors. We do need to teach them that it is their body created in the image of God. and every child is created as special and unique and they have the right to say no. So there are those. there is that side of it, but I think it we, it can't just be about you've got to say no, We've got to teach them why and why God. Um, says their body is so
0: special as you say wendy francis there are so many more things for us to talk about we might need to set a time sometime in the near future and revisit some of these thoughts and develop some of these extra dimensions a little further wendy francis is the australian christian lobby state director for queensland she also heads the center for human dignity uh, Wendy, if I point people to the acl.org.au website where they can connect with you, where they can connect with the Centre for Human Dignity, there is a separate web page for the Centre for uh, for Human Dignity? Uh, at
1: the moment, it's not active, so okay. it's got best to go through ACL. All right, mm.
0: you'll find a link there on the Australian Christian Lobby website, mm. acl.org.au. Wendy Francis, always wonderful having these conversations with you. So informative and bringing us back to God's wisdom when it comes to issues around even this very hot topic of consent. Wendy, thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil.
1: Thanks for taking time to
4: listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find
0: out more about us,
4: go to vision.org.au.